I will be reading from Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Esther the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses and that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and at his right hand, Padiah, Mishael, Micaiah, Hashem, Hashbadani, Zechariah, and Meshullam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebethai, Hadiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and Happy New Year to you guys. Maybe not. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and Happy New Year to you guys. Good, thank you. We pick up after a short Christmas break from our sermon series right here in Ezra and Nehemiah, and we find ourselves in this passage joining the Israelites right after they have completed building the wall around Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that all the people, Israelites, who had returned unto Ezra and Nehemiah that they gathered at the east side of the wall for a New Year's celebration of sorts. And the Bible tells us that Ezra stands on a giant pulpit, a a giant built structure, with 13 priests flanking him and opens the book of the law, begins to read from it. And that the immediate response of the people was weeping and sorrow. So they finished the wall. They were gathered together. They had the leadership in place, but they didn't have joy. 
And it is amazing and sad how true this is for people of faith along with the world, that, that our response would be to God and his word, that it is sometimes empty or, or lacking of joy, empty and, and lacking of, of gladness, no or little or, or not enough jubilant hope and positive optimistic action and, and expressed, lived out giddiness and exuberance based on and settled by our God's assessment, plan, command of all things, and express love and care for us. And the irony is that our faith, our lives will just grow more and more weary and disappointing and heavy and dull without the joy of the Lord. And so, so many of us have, have become cold and, and sad and, and simply dutiful believers, while, while some of us have decided to just be dissatisfied happiness chasers. And as your pastor and a fellow brother, who is often filled with anger and doubt and cynicism, who struggles to know and experience joy himself, I want to show you the good news for joy that God showed me from this passage in Nehemiah, that that good news for you and me, joy is a gift and joy is shared. Joy is a gift and joy is shared. Let me say that it is a given in this world that you will have sorrow and struggle and heartbreak. It is a given that we will have heartache and disappointments, letdown and and punches to the guts and all sorts of brokenness. But joy, the joy and rejoicing that Ezra is dropping here is a gift from God. The joy that the Bible talks about here and his people that that his people are called to experience and live in to to counter the tears produced by their mess-ups and condemnation and, and guilt, mistakes and losses is literally an invasion and and kind of an evasive joy that, that breaks into and, and onto the storyline of our sorrow. It comes in and it, 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 it reorients and it, and it redirects and it changes the plot line of, of condemned and sad lives. This joy that, that Ezra is talking about and calling the people to is like God himself. It's supernatural. And it's from above. But it's given and sent and coming to confront and comfort our fears failures, and general hardship of living down here. But this joy is not a generic gift. It is specifically for his people, his children, something generated between him and them. Look at verse 1 through 3 and then 9 and 10 with me. The Bible says, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. 
And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. The ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And then in verses 9 and 10, it says this. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe of the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. It is clear that these people were God's people and God's people only. And the Bible tells us that they gathered as one man, which means one people, one people group, the people of God. And the Bible also teaches us that they said that this day was holy in verse 9, holy to the Lord your God. And then and look how they respond when Ezra opens the book of the law of the Bible. Look with me at verse 5 and 6. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their heads. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Why was this day holy? And why did they stand and then bow their heads to the ground and and lift their hands up? Because it was God meeting with and giving to his people. And his people held out and up their hands to actually gain what he had in that moment through, their, through the word. A gift for them. This was God their father coming to meet his people in an extra special way through his word. This law was their story. It was as we sing their song. This was about God speaking to them. And the word, the law was the means, the mode, the, the gift wrapping for the joy he had for them that he wanted to pass on to his children. I'm sorry I have to use this illustration, but for my dog, opening the refrigerator, or if she hears the rustling of bags, or if I'm carrying like some food with some leftover chicken bones, I don't know how she knows what it is. But my dog will, I mean, she will be sleeping on the bed all day. She's getting kind of old. She likes to sleep most of the day. But if I open that fridge, don't matter how tired she is, if she hear a bag rustling, and she comes as soon as she hears it, and when I open that fridge or open that bag, she comes with this master. The open fridge might mean what you alone can give. A gift, a, a morsel, a, a piece of chicken falling on the ground accidentally. A, and there is this head down but eyes up begging look. And it never fails. I've gone to the fridge 100 times and maybe a piece of food has fallen on the ground twice accidentally. But every 100 times she is there looking up. When the word is open, it is a time of blessing. When the word is open, for God's people, 
blessing and answer to who they were and what they are struggling through as a people. And that blessing for them that was falling out and pouring out of the word into their hands as they had them up, held them up was going to be and is the gift of God's joy. You see, the book of the law, the first five books of the Bible, the law of Moses that Ezra read from, a.k.a. the Pentateuch, is basically the story of how God made a people his people and called them into relationship with him. Well, they are sad at reading the law because they recognize as they read it that they were not very good children. They were very naughty and not nice. And reading of the law would have checked them on it more than twice, right? And so Ezra and the priests wanted them to receive what God had exclusively for them at that gathering. Not condemnation or convicting correction or confrontation at that point, but joy. God's joy, something he alone could give them and us that we need as well. Back in the day, in the culture I grew up in, Not all food or portions were accessible or readily available and right for the kids to have. Anybody else grow up in that kind of culture? If you show up to somebody's house and they had food and it was the upper level food. Now, I went to somebody's house yesterday, had some barbecue, some ribs, and everybody could get some. Even the kids got in line with their plate. In my culture I grew up with, Kids didn't get in line with their plate. If it was this bad, if it were chicken and hot dogs, if you were a kid, you got the hot dog. Real food, chicken and ribs, the upper level stuff, and sometimes some seafood items, that was for the adults, right? The kids, what, well, mama, what can I get? You get a hot dog. You get a hamburger. And if you go into somebody else's house and you know what's on the menu, mama used to tell you before you get in there, do not ask for ribs or chicken. You're getting a hot dog. It's the way we grew up. Now, things don't change, right? The other day we went, I don't know, it was a, well, a few months ago, we went to Shane's Rib Shack or whatever. And my boys were like, we, I was like, what do y'all want to eat? And I'm trying to count the dollars, think about what we're going to get. Well, I want the rib dinner. I remember there was this lady in there saying, wow, you guys look young to have jobs. We didn't even know this woman. She just stepped up. She was like, nobody get ribs who don't have no job. And then she looked over and she pointed at a man and she said, you see my husband over there looking sad? He said, because he ain't getting no ribs. Right? The only one, only one way you could get some of the good food. Mama and daddy had to get it for you and give it off of their plate to you. God gave them what was his possession and his alone to give to his people, his children. The joy that they experienced was God's joy, heavenly joy, and they couldn't get it for themselves as children who didn't know how to act right. And so God alone had to give it to them out of his portion. Look at verse 9 and 10. 
with me. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine. And send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now there's a food thing going on here. To communicate some spiritual truths. Now I do believe when God's people come together to have joy is very important. There's some food and drink involved. That's theologically important. Okay, so don't have no church without no food and no drink. Even if it's a little snack, some chips, a soda, something. But here's the point. The food equals strength. The, the fat in the sweet wine, it equals strength. And that fat and that meat and that wine, it was the joy of the Lord giving them strength. Now, there's a spiritual parallel between the food and the joy of the Lord. I want you to get this understanding here. On the Day of Atonement, God's people would stand before God for their sins. And so as he's opening the book of the law, immediately they're thinking, oh, we sinned. You know what this means if we sin? And they would come with their sins, and they would bring their best, right? The fattest lamb, the sweetest wine, and best grain. You know what they would do with it? They would pour it out to the Lord. They would take the fat of the lamb, and then the priest would take it on a fork, and he would put it down into the boiling water or on the flame. And then what would happen is the fat would burn off. How, how, how do you say it in Charlotte? The fillet mignon. Right? The rib eye. Right? Those pieces of meat that cost the most at the restaurant, those would fall off. That would be the Lord's. And praise God, you get left with a little round, you know, little pot roast, something. But the fat would go to the Lord because of your sin. So it would burn off to the Lord. Now listen what he says here. He says, go your way, take the fat and the sweet wine, and you eat of it. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is a divine portion that God in this story lets his people, his children have. They get the food off the adult table. They get the joy of the Lord that they shouldn't have considering the stuff that has happened to them and the sin they have committed. It should all be taken away. They should roll around in pain and pay penance and and suffer for their sins. We all should. Like taking the fat and wine before God have, you know, this world and our sin has eaten all the joy away and and our mistakes and mistreatment that we've suffered. And as we hear the commandments in the Bible, sometimes you just hear about how far away you are from God and how many mistakes you want and how far we away from doing what God wants us to do. And it is true that we have 
joy melted and eaten away from all of our stuff, yet God says, take my joy for your sin, my joy for your sorrow. Take my joy and let it become your joy for your guilt and for your pain, for your hunger to be important, my joy for your emptiness, for your apathy and disappointment in me and yourself. My joy take for how hard you are, you've been on yourself and how hard you've been treated and enjoy instead of being beat up on and beating up on yourself for your sin. This could have been a beat down guilt festival. But look at verse 12. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. The story of naughty people and a nice God, the Bible became a joyful story of a naughty people loved and cared for and given grace by a good God. Because the Bible says what? They understood the story rightly. They went away and rejoiced because they heard the story of the law read and taught rightly. The faithful preaching and explanation, interpretation of the law is what helped to give them joy. God's gift of joy for his people, for their sorrow, for their strength. You know why God's God's people miss out on joy oftentimes? Because the Bible is wrongly understood and or wrongly explained. You don't have joy. We don't miss it. We miss it on the gift of joy because somehow and somewhere and through someone, you and I have believed and wrongly learned that this Bible, the law, whatever it is, and, and God's dealing with his people is about your ability to be righteous and do good and be good enough. That this Bible is about God putting demands in your life that are too much for you to fulfill. But, but maybe if you, your karma balances out, you might get loved by him and he might let you in heaven. You understood wrongly that the sins and sinless of your lives are your responsibility alone to deal with and, 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 and that God wants to beat up on you and make you feel guilty, that that is his goal and, is, and, is you, and your head is, is down and, and now you, 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 that the Bible is about being hopeless and humiliated as a people. And yet this story, if explained rightly, is about God's forgiveness and desire to bless and love and free his people. The story of the law, Ezra read, if explained rightly as the priest did, is about God's desire to rid their lives of burdens and sins and mistakes and and the bitter taste of defeat. This story, this Bible, this word taken rightly through the work of God's Spirit, translating it and, and communicating these words into spiritual truths like the priest did the people. This Bible invades us with heavenly, supernatural joy, gladness, mirth, and holy adrenaline that comes from knowing and understanding and being touched by God's Spirit, that it is by grace. God's unmerited and unearned favor and gifts through Jesus Christ for sinners, that you and me sinners are and can be declared a holy children of God. If every story 
Every sermon, go ahead and confront me. I need it if I don't do it. If every sermon, if every lesson, if everything you read about the Lord, every breath you take, right? Every move you make had to do it. It's not saturated, right? Saturated by the gospel grace story of Jesus Christ, Old and New Testament. The gift of joy is compromised, diluted, weakened, and your life and faith will be too much and too burdensome to bear. They understood that their God was a God of mercy and grace and not just about rule keeping and and condemning people, but that he was a loving and merciful God. But God has called us to hear the word and feel free to lift up burdened and hard hearts and hands and, and ears to share in the gift of his grace. Share, I said, because what God has done is share out what is his. Remember that the sweet and the fat, the joy-producing stuff is his. Because he alone is good and glad. But he has shared it with us. And in doing so shows us that the nature of God's joy is that it be shared and thus activated and made effective in community. So God's people get the gift of God's expressed joy. We see that in the right to eat of his portions, to eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and have the very best to encourage them to eat and enjoy what should be offered to and taken by him for their sin and take it and be made glad and happy in it and by it. But apparently not everyone has the same ability to express and experience God's joy. Yet it is clear that this is God's gift for his people, all of his people. And so listen to the directions of the priest that they give in verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Though joy is obviously given and offered to us all as God's people by grace, I do believe, like here, We can't all access and receive the the quantity and quality of it on our own. To counter our sorrows on our own. We must share our portion and part of God-given joy, especially to those we know and recognize are suffering, impoverished in grief and struggling and in the middle of hardship and are living in a misunderstanding of God's grace. You know why many of us here and here and even believe in the joy of the Lord but still live outside of this God-given gladness and celebration? Because we fail to share God's joy. 
which is about giving and receiving it. One reason the word of God and the worship of God with all the preaching and the amening and the singing and the smiling and the gladness to be God's people, the, the gladness to be obedient and loving and merciful and do the works of God have escaped us is because we are trying to do this faith thing alone and trying to find happiness and even joy on our own. And it doesn't always work because God's joy by nature doesn't happen in us and on us alone. You know, at Christ Central, we are some, we, that includes me, okay? Or maybe it's just me. If, if you're too good, it could just be about me. You know, at Christ Central, we are some cynical, sometimes carnally cognitive, controlling, competent believers. Got to stick with the C's, right? And that constipates the acceptance, participation, and expression of God's joy, right? We can come off as a people, who act like we don't and can't really believe what the gospel says and means and declares. And that may be partly true for all of us, but I am convinced that we can embrace and digest and express joy from how good God has been and how good God is because we have not tasted and seen his goodness because we need some help to taste and see that the Lord is good. We need some exotic, foreign-to-our-own-life seasonings, right? Some Christian curry, some deep-fried faith for our bake and boil, some, some gravy of gratitude for some of our sorry and apathetic potatoes of living. And some of us just need some sugar to break the diet of suffering and bitter days. We need someone else to bring what we don't and can't, to bring God's joy to and out of our lives and out of our own story. I was talking to someone the other day about the way a good movie can make you experience fake repentance. Or fake redemption, rather. Not repentance, redemption. It's the way I feel after watching one of the Rocky movies. I'm ready to work out now. I'm even ready to eat some raw eggs. You know what I'm saying? Just, I'm walking around the house feeling good. You know, you know, it, it can leave, you, you leave your house or the theater inspired, pumped up, happy, sad, and motivated to change, and that ain't even your story. You're watching somebody else's. I've even heard people say after a good book or movie, man, that thing changed my life. I'm never going to be the same. A good movie can make you want to fight, to cry, to love. Most of us in here are not between 18 and 35 and, and world-class athletes, right? You and I can't dunk, but every Saturday and Sunday and even some Monday nights, we live out through the young men and women who have it all. I am embarrassed to say that back in the 80s after watching the movie Break It, Inspired by the fictional characters Turbo, Ozo, and the Special K. That my friend Hilliard and I talked about how we need to get serious about our breakdancing. <laughs> and need to start practicing and make practice a scheduled event. And how we need a higher quality cardboard to carry to school. You know the one with the double side, the one that come with the refrigerator, that big one. Joy is not a fantasy about a made-up character. But God's joy is 
contagious reality. God's joy shared is not a fake change in you. It is real joy strength given and shared between two people in Christ or more people in Christ who share their stories and experiences and what God has done. God's joy is powered by God's work in someone else's life. We are called to ride on other stories of God's grace and explanations and sermons and teachings and and good Christian materials to get joy from what we can't get for ourselves, but what God has given to his people. You know why you can't get into worship? I always ask this question, well, well, whose story do you know in here of God's grace that you can tap into? Sometimes you come in here and it's just about you. Most times that ain't enough. Joy is a community event. If we are not in Christ-based, gospel-based community with people around us who are often different than us, who lack and, and sometimes have more than we have in certain areas, then the joy that the Lord calls us to experience, especially here in this worship service or in community groups or in other ways, will not happen because you and your own little stink world enjoy, it just won't produce what God has for you. aside, I'm not saying that the loudest and most expressive people have the real and true joy, though they may be acting joyfully, because sometimes a joyful celebration is simply personal. And if you can jump and shout amen in church and yet don't really share that joy like the Bible says in a way for your brothers and sisters to understand and get it, then you're just loud in worship service but selfish outside, and that's no good either. But for most of us, The other side of this is that we despise and belittle the great portions of love and grace that God has given us. Either because we think we deserve and have earned to be what we have and how we are when really God has kept you and made all that is good and redeeming about you what he will and has done through the work of Jesus Christ. And we hold on to these stories as ours when it is God's work and it is to be shared. Stop despising and being ashamed of the grace and mercy that God has given you and brought out in your life. You see, there is no life in your joy and no joy in your life because you are not sharing your life for someone else's joy and you aren't experiencing joy put from someone else's life. What you have in what God has done, whether it is your conversion or something that really helps you that you learned in the word or something that gives you gladness, you can't get joy over all that God has given because it won't happen until you share it. Your Christianity won't live with joy unless you live to share the joy. I don't know about you, but I'm missing some joy in my life because I'm missing on some of you. Sometimes I like to say, self-profess, I'm not a worshiper. I don't get real glad in church or happy. Struggle with that. I am poor in joy often, like many of you, and despise so much of what God has given The Bible says, if 
There are some who don't have it. Bring it to them. Share it with them. You know what the church should be? At community groups, mercy ministry, we provide for each other with real meals and real visits, real phone calls, and here at worship service. You know what the other word for great rejoicing is in verse 12? A festival. Rejoicing means a party. A part sharing. Sharing your part. Bringing your part in. Sharing in someone else's part. A party. A festival. A feast that is a potluck of God's people's joy sharing made with God. Gospel ingredients and seasoning. A time of sharing the joy. The joy of the Lord. The story and person of God's grace at work in our lives with each other. And we are under in Jesus Christ a constant call to have a festival. To have a party around the word with God's spirit in us, always able to share the joy in between the tears in this broken world. And I do it too. When we get together, we waste so much time. Man, I'm the number one guilty person. I want to talk about movies, sports, Clemson, craft beer, stories that make people like me better. I want to show what I know. And we could share what the Lord is teaching us, showing us, and explaining to us. You see, when we share the joy, we simply mimic what the Lord has done. Because the joy here, as heard and taught from the Bible by Ezra and the priest, is God expressing his joy over you and me. Did you know that God had a party and has a party over you and me? That heaven and the heavenly host party over you? That he is and was glad to call and have you and me sad, pitiful sinners. And he wants us to join in, to join in his celebration over you with him. You know, Christmas time, I couldn't wait because this Christmas there were certain things. I knew the boys didn't know what I had for them. I wanted to share the joy that I wanted to express over them that I earned and bought for them. And when they got the gifts, all oh, the joy in their faces, and they wanted to get right in and play the games and work on a train set and help set it up and put the batteries in and read the directions and have them understand and take some over and play some games myself and technical stuff of the gifts so they could enjoy what I'd given them and me with it. We are a joyful people and called to express it and seek it and want it and to look into the word for it and to pray and ask God for it, to stretch our hands toward heaven and each other for it because it gives our God joy and gladness and makes him dance and sing and shout and say amen to himself with a party and festival in heaven to do joy and be joy and make joy over for you and me. The Bible says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you, you and me, may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In other words, continue to be strong. 
I was trained well as a kid. You would never go to the adult table to get some adult food for yourself. Never. It was dangerous. That's the way I was grow- grew up. Sorry, y'all. Maybe I should be on Oprah one day or something. The trauma I went through because I couldn't get the food. You could get beat. Just a quick whip. Or the eyes that said it's coming later. Worse, embarrassed out loud by mama and daddy. What you doing up here? You know what I'm saying? Oh, Lord. Humiliated for being bold enough to want and then go get it. Well, Jesus went to the grown-up table as the son of God, and he was scolded and embarrassed out loud on the cross by God the Father. Humiliated and beat for us, coming to it like one of us, so that we could have as part of being a believer the joy that is God's alone. The joy of the Lord is our portion and our strength, so we don't get weary and faint-hearted. Because for the joy of having us, Jesus endured the weeping, the sorrow, the condemnation of law and sin. He experienced anything but was joyful about us in our world, and he redeemed and rejoiced. He redeemed joy. He bought it for us and to us because he agreed to share in God the Father's joy to have you and me. It is time to lift up our hands and our hearts and cry out with great joy. Hold out your hands and grasp each other and look for joy. Look up into Jesus and rejoice in what comes from him. God's rejoy for us.